0: Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, Over the past week, we saw some big stories coming out of Apple, introducing their new high-yield savings account, uh, which is a really big deal, both in the tech space and in the fintech space. Uh, And then we also had that uh, Starship launch from SpaceX that uh, ended in a big, big explosion, but was still looked at as a big success. Super exciting. Yeah, so we're gonna be diving into both of those stories. But you have a good weekend. Have a good week. It's a good Kentucky weekend. Went to Keeneland. Yeah. Went out to uh, Henry Clay last night to make some bourbon. (laughs) It's a good (laughs) Kentucky weekend. Well, cool. Uh, Before we dive into these stories, just as always, uh, a reminder to please subscribe to our channel. Follow us on all socials at Middle Tech Pod. And before we dive in, we just want to get a quick word from our sponsors. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's Office of Entrepreneurship. KY Innovation is currently accepting applications for its SBIR STTR matching funds program. Kentucky's program is a national trendsetter for providing critical, non dilutive capital to support the high tech research, development, and commercialization of novel ideas within the Commonwealth. SBIR matching funds have directly contributed to the creation of more than 700 jobs, more than 200 patents filed and more than $160 million raised in private follow-on funding and to dozens of companies relocating to the state. The matching funds application window is open through April 24th. To apply and learn more about support services for companies that want to explore SBIR STTR grants and contracts, visit kyinnovation.com SBIR. Middletech is sponsored by Bolt Marketing. Take your website to the next level with a website that's built to work. At Bolt Marketing, they're revolutionizing websites for small businesses that are affordable, customizable, and hassle-free. Whether you have a construction company, a boutique clothing store, or you own a hot yoga studio, they have options for you. Click the link in our show notes to explore their marketing options that can transform your marketing and grow your business. And as a personal note, Bolt Marketing built our website and they were awesome to work with throughout the entire process. We highly recommend working with them. All right, so for this first story, uh, we have some big news coming from Apple. Uh, who is getting deeper into the fintech space uh, and into the financial services space, now offering a high yield savings account that is yielding uh, 4.15% APY, which is 10 times the national average that you can get uh, from a typical savings account. So Evan, let's dive into the story, give us some of the the high level details, and then let's talk about the implications of this. Yeah. So Apple uh, over the last
1: 10 or so years has really been trying to diversify away from solely being a hardware company. So they've been introducing a lot of subscription services, and now they're getting into the banking space, so the fintech space. Super exciting. They've been, over the last about nine years now, releasing, you know, like I said, banking products. So in 2014, they released um, their Apple Pay, which allowed you to pay uh, merchants through Apple. Uh, then in 2019, so five years later, they released a card, uh, which was basically done with uh that was done with uh goldman sachs as well um, and that was basically just a normal card credit card management cash rewards program so that was pretty typical and then apple cash came out which allowed people to send money back and forth to each other so peer-to-peer payments uh, and then earlier this year they announced apple pay later which is a play on the buy now pay later kind of trend that was going on which a firm and uh Klarna uh, really did well. And so Apple's, again, pushing into all these different products. And then finally, uh, they kind of completed the whole banking stack lately with a savings account, which, as Logan said, has about four what was it five percent interest return. So that's pretty damn
0: good. That's substantial. Yeah.
1: So they're really standing out here. But the main thing that gets me excited is they've built the whole stack for banking. So somebody, if they wanted to, could just do all of their money management through Apple and have it highly integrated with the rest of their health, their phone, you know, everything that Apple does well, um, it's all very integrated. So they've done a good job.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can definitely see this kind of master plan to get more into the financial services space playing out, uh, you know, since they released kind of their first foray into it back in 2014. Uh, we were texting back and forth with uh, with Adam uh, he sent us this article when it came out, and I think one of the things that just makes the most sense to me, and I think will really uh, make this a, a popular feature for Apple users, is you already are so familiar. So many of us are so familiar with Apple's user interface and using Apple products. So now to have, uh, you know, a financial product that is going to have the same user interface and the same ease of use, I think is going to make this just a really widely adopted product, uh, and one that I'm. I mean, it's super exciting to know that you can get. 4.15% uh, return. That So, I mean, that that can't be overstated. That is 10 times, uh, I, I guess, what, what the average is for the interest rate that you can get on a, a typical savings account. So, not only is that significant for consumers, but that's also going to have ripple effects throughout the financial industry, You have to think, um, as banks are going to have to compete with that now. Yeah. I mean,
1: if you got $5,000 in the bank, you're going to get a little over $200 every year uh, in that interest. So, that's great. Um, again, I think that they're diversifying away from hardware, and this is a way to get people into a really sticky environment. You know, Apple's traditionally, people stay with Apple because of their user experience, but more and more when they roll out subscriptions and they roll out banking, it makes it a lot harder to leave their ecosystem. Um, and so this is just another part of their ecosystem, which has become massive. So um, I'm an Apple customer. I love Apple, their wallet, where they integrate all these services into one is is fantastic.
0: Yeah. And to to preface this, this is not any sort of uh, financial advice or investing advice, but I've slowly been investing in Apple over the years. And you have to think that they're just going to continue to dominate in this space. Uh, You're seeing them expand into financial services, like we said. They've obviously got the hardware thing kind of nailed down. I'm sure they're going to continue to innovate there. But I think what I'm most excited about um, and what I'm kind of theorizing Apple is going to head into and what you and I have talked about a little bit is Apple getting into this AI game. Uh, I think you mentioned maybe you can speak to this a little bit more. Them developing a chip that would allow a lot of these AI systems to run on your device, so you're not having to access the cloud and send, you know, data back and forth to, uh, to a server to be able to access AI services. But being able to have AI built into an iPhone and have that tightly integrated with your messaging, your email, your calendar, you know, all the things that you do that you use Apple products to do, I think that's what I'm most excited about, and that's where I where I think Apple is just going to continue to be. One of the dominant players in the field uh, for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, and it's all private. So while they're you know integrating all of this tightly into their devices, uh, all of that comes back to privacy. A lot of the decisions they make uh, from a hardware perspective and from a software perspective, especially around encryption, um, tokenization of sending data back and forth between products and within their ecosystem, and outside of their ecosystem, you know, all of this comes back to having a highly personalized experience that's very private uh, and they're dominant in that they do a great job of that they're known to be the you know people trust apple the brand so you know they're going to trust them with their finances now
0: yeah anything else to add to that story before moving on to talking about starship nope cool um so now this past week on 420 which is just so appropriate for mr elon musk uh starship had its first launch so this is the largest rocket uh to ever be launched um, a lot of people are talking more so about the explosion of that launch, which uh, was largely to be expected. Uh, success to them was just getting off the launch pad uh, for the most part. So to start this story and start talking about this, I wanna share uh, our screen and just kind of go through the size of Starship and the significance of Starship. And there's all sorts of different points to, to talk about with this story uh, and different dynamics around this launch. Um, but let's just kind of start by talking first uh, about Starship itself. So on SpaceX's website here, uh, and just to to begin by talking about like the overview of Starship, so I just wanted to read this point that's on their website here. Um, so Starship plus the super heavy rocket, so you can kind of see you know the two stages of it here, uh, collectively referred to as Starship, represent a fully reusable transportation system designed to both carry crew and cargo to Earth orbit, the Moon, Mars, and beyond. Starship will be the world's most powerful launch vehicle ever developed, capable of carrying up to 150 metric tons, fully reusable. Uh, and 250 metric tons expendable. Um, and we're also going to share that graphic that we've created showing how big it is kind of next to uh, the third building. Um, but the thing I want to really call out about what I just said there is the amount of tonnage that it can take to orbit because that's going to be what I want to dig into a little bit more at the end of the story because that's a really significant part of this. Um, so again, here you'll see the Starship, the, the upper stage, the lower stage. Both of these are fully reusable, uh, which is crazy. And then it's powered by these uh, just incredible... 33 Raptor engines. Um, so if you got to watch that launch, you got to see kind of the that power on display. So sliding over to this graphic here that Middletech created uh, when when Starship was first in the news, uh, for any Lexingtonians that look up at the big blue building downtown, uh, Starship is roughly the exact same size, which is just crazy to think about that whole building like lifting off the ground yeah. uh, and, and doing what like they've when done. You when you stand next Star to that Star building and you look up, yeah, you're like, wow, this, this yep. thing is as tall as that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it makes you realize the significance of it. Um, but going on and talking just a little bit more about some of the details around the story. So, first off, uh, the reason it was being called a success, this launch, is because it did clear the launch pad, it cleared the beach, uh, it flew for about four minutes um, before the automated systems kicked in and, and uh, detonated essentially, exploded the rockets. And the reason it did that is because the stages did not separate, which was unintended. Um, but that's still a huge success for them to get off the launch pad and collect all that valuable data and experience around launching. Uh, this massive rocket. So uh, all in all, it's going to be looked at as, as a success from Starship's point of view. Uh, if you look in, uh, we were talking about kind of the, the mainstream media. Um, there's more of a negative tone with it. So we wanted to call out some of the not-so-good things uh, around this launch. And that's largely just around, like, the the sheer power of getting a rocket like this off the ground. So we showed those uh, uh, Raptor engines that power this thing. There are 33 of those massive engines, and it creates just... An incredible amount of power to get this size of a rocket off the ground Um, and so some of the things that the media was reporting on and you know rightfully so this is important to talk about is the destruction that that launch caused uh, at the launch site so this is down in texas at starbase where they launched this from um and you know some of the residents of the nearby city down there were just describing the debris that was cast you know miles away in some cases the sound of this thing is like truly terrifying uh i mean that's to be expected uh, when launching a rocket of this size. Uh, but I think it's just worth noting that, you know, anytime we're trying to get something this large off the ground, we're basically it's, it's like detonating a massive bomb uh, to get this thing to lift off. So there's definitely the conversation to be had around, you know, the environmental impacts of launches, things like that. And I think that's something that needs to stay in the conversation. But I don't want to lose sight of the fact of how incredible it is uh, just in terms of human advancement and our advancement towards uh, you know, getting into space and being a multiplanetary species. This is just such a huge milestone that I think those risks and those consequences are worth bearing as we go through this kind well, of. Well, they
1: also you know. they also did a good job of building literally a brand new city that's pretty isolated away from right. normal population. Or they created Starbase, which is you know housing all of these employees and giving them all kinds of amenities while allowing them to be isolated away from the public. So they had to basically rebuild a city from scratch in order to have you know like you said the safety measures around these crazy launches and for their employees to not have to travel so far back and forth to get to that isolation they just live there on site at Starbase so right you know they've they've done some things around that
0: front to to help recruit talent yeah a couple other things just about like the scale of this launch it also says so the 33 Raptor engines left a literal crater in the concrete at Starship's launch pad uh, and when Starship exploded four minutes into its flight, the resulting detonation uh, was so massive it was picked up on Doppler radar systems. Uh, so just kind of just to demonstrate the size of what we're trying to do here, um, I think is important. So now moving on to some of my thoughts. You have something you want to no add to that? Go ahead. Okay. So talking about the scale of this, I think is where the meat of the importance of Starship and of SpaceX really lies. So I want to reference an excerpt from a blog I read, shoot, probably six months ago that that became really relevant when thinking about the story again. It was called Starship is Still Not Understood. Uh, And it really just talks about being able to get cargo and humans to space at scale. Um, And so here's this excerpt uh, that I just wanted to read from this. So it says, uh, what does this, well, first it says, in fact, all space missions, whether robotics or crewed historical or planned, have been designed with constraints that are not relevant to Starship. What does this mean? Historically, mission systems design has been grievously afflicted by absurdly harsh mass constraints. Since launch costs to low Earth orbit are as high as $10,000 per kilogram and single launches cost hundreds of millions. This in turn affects schedule, cost structure, volume, materials choices, labor, power, thermal guidance, all of that. The entire design languages and heuristics are reinforced at the generational level, in service of avoiding negative consequences of excess mass. As a result, spacecraft are built. Bef- spacecraft- as a result, spacecraft built before Starship are a bit like steel weapons made before the Industrial Revolution, enormously expensive as a result of embodying a lot of meticulous labor, but ultimately severely limited compared to the post-industrial possibilities. So Starship obliterates the mass constraint and every last vestige of cultural baggage that constraint has gouged into the minds of spacecraft designers. Uh, a little bit of a long excerpt there, but the point in reading that is that what space or what Starship is truly doing here is making it much cheaper to get things into space and being able to do it at scale. Uh, so where typical uh, rocket launches they're not reusable, uh, they can only take so much tonnage into space. Starship is going to make it to where we can have essentially conveyor belt into low Earth orbit to build bases on the Moon, uh, to eventually get to Mars, all of those sorts of things. So that's that's kind of the significance of Starship uh, as it relates to this, this particular launch. Yeah, allows for economies of scale. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say from that really long and drawn-out excerpt. Um, any other thoughts around this launch, uh, Elon's response to it, or anything else you want to add? No, nothing I can think of. Um, I think it's just super exciting to think about the use cases of
1: space. You know, we're just now discovering, you know, what's possible. There's all kinds of cool scientific discoveries happening and research being done. You know, we've talked to Space Tango several times on this podcast, which is based out of Lexington here. Um, They're doing amazing things, and this will surely allow companies like Space Tango to get more experiments up into space so we can, you know, learn more about ourselves and learn if there's... Things that can be done in space that uh, improve humanity that we can't do here on Earth because of gravity. So uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And maybe the last little bit to point out here is I feel like people are starting to fall into two camps of like, we should do space exploration and try to develop these technologies, or we should be focusing on the Earth. Uh, I just want to, I guess, take the stance personally of saying we can do both. I think it would be really silly not to dedicate some amount of our uh, investment towards space exploration. Because I feel like uh, whether it's 50 years from now or whether it's 150 years from now, humanity is going to need to be a multiplanetary species. Uh, I think that's just the evolution of of our uh, of our species. So um, I'll close it out with that. Let's move on to AI Edge. Uh, so AI Edge stories, tips, and topics for gaining an edge with artificial intelligence. Uh, so this time we have a story around Google, uh, who has been uh, you know an early pioneer in AI, but was recently kind of unseated by OpenAI. Uh, let's talk a little about this story with Google's uh, DeepMind and Google Brain merging. Yeah. So, I mean, Google's in full-on panic mode
1: right now since ChatGPT was released, and they have what seems to be a major, uh, like, they've got a lot of catching up to do. Um, they've got a lot to figure out, and so they have two teams there at Google right now. They've got the uh, DeepMind team, which they acquired, several years ago, and it's been running as an independent company within Google. And then they've got their Google Brain team, which is underneath the Google umbrella. And so they're now merging those two to bring the talent and resources together to speed up their development and research of AI. Um, But also, uh, this is a move um, to get closer to AGI. Um, So those teams can now work closely together to get us to a future where there is AGI. So This was probably like bound to happen. I mean, at some point they've got to bring the two together. Um, But AlphaGo was uh, known for their AlphaGo, or DeepMind was known for their AlphaGo um, challenge, where they overcame basically uh, the best human in the world at the game AlphaGo, which is, which was at the time considered one of the greatest AI challenges because of how complex that game is, and it requires creativity, Um, and the AI showed signs of creativity and beat the best human in the world uh, which was at the time again a crazy feat and so since then they've been applying it to all kinds of things like biotech um, and now they're going to do large language models so this
0: is pretty exciting for google yeah um just on the topic of google kind of being in full on panic mode right now on high alert trying to make sure they don't fall too far behind open ai uh how's texting back and forth with you and, and laughing about the 60 minutes segment uh, so 60 Minutes, which is kind of more, I guess, geared toward an, an older demographic. Um, so it might, it might be people that are listening for the first time, learning about AI for the first time, and they're talking about the recent advancements in AI, and it was all Google. There was no mention of open OpenAI, uh, which I thought, one, was kind of comical and not super intellectually honest. Um, but two, you have to think, I wonder how much Google paid to, yeah. to be the exclusive, like, we're the the AI conversation here. Um so anyway, it's it's worth checking out that sixty minute segment that aired, I think, just last week. think you can go find that and watch that if you want to kind of see a one sided take on on the AI race right now. Um, but I think we're going to continue to see Google go all out uh, trying to make sure they don't fall behind on this because this is probably the race. Like this is this is the most important race they've ever been involved in. So uh, moving on to tip of the week for AI Edge, uh, you mentioned you had stumbled upon a cool website that had all sorts of helpful prompts. Um, So do you want to kind of talk through what that shows and uh, why that's a helpful tip for our listeners? Yeah. So
1: we can maybe figure out a way to share this with our listeners. but Put in the show notes. Yeah. There are people now aggregating all kinds of prompts, and you can filter through them and find what you want to do um, with AI. And so one of them that we've been using now at Simba is SEO-optimized blogs. So we'll share, again, we'll share this prompt. Um, but essentially, it is copy and paste into ChatGPT. You put in your own company data, your company name, what keywords you want to include, um, and it'll write a perfect blog for you that's 100% original. So it's stuff like that. You know, Go out, look for prompts on the internet. Like the tip of the week is just to go search for prompts. We'll try to link to this one um, where there are pages and pages of ways you can use AI. And then you just have to copy and paste and then chat with the AI from there. And it's a really productive conversation and it can output, you know, value for you and your team. In our case at Simba, you know, we want to rank highly in SEO and that requires a lot of blogs, a lot of backlinks and various other strategies. And so it's now really easy for us to write SEO optimized blogs uh, very quickly. So that's, you know, tip of the week, go find some good prompts.
0: Yeah, that's funny you brought that up. I don't think we even had discussed this before you uh, mentioned that that was the tip of the week, but I've been doing something very similar for Sales River. Uh, So I basically made a Notion document where I took all the copy from our website uh, about all the features and all the selling points and everything and just put in a a really well-formatted document that I could copy and paste really easy over into ChatGPT. And then you can just kind of change the front prompt and you can say, "Hey, base," like for example, the one I was using this week, I wanted to write uh, a LinkedIn post or just experiment with what I should put in one. Um, And I put, you are uh, a professional in the Medicare space that's attending this conference I'm going to, I'm trying to write a LinkedIn post. Uh, I'd like to write a post that really appeals to some of your pain points and things you care about. Uh, here is all the information about our company. Copy and paste it in that little, um, all, the, all the copy from our website that I'd formatted there. And it just nails it. Like it's just so good at it. So I think that's a really great tip of the week. So um, that concludes our uh, our AI Edge segment. Um, now moving on to, uh, wrapping things up here. Um, as far as our spotlight series is concerned, uh, no spotlight series for this week. Um, we're aiming to have the next one out with true diagnostic, uh, in the coming week, uh, coming week or two. And other than that, hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.